Grace, mercy, and peace be multiplied abundantly unto you all through our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. This is the last Sunday of the calendar year. It's, it's been a challenging year. It's been a challenging year because of a pandemic worldwide. Now, the Bible doesn't talk about pandemics per se, but it does talk about tribulation and stress in challenging times, it talks a lot about life. And it has been a challenging year for relationships. And the Word of God has lots to say about our relationship with God and our relationship with one another. So we're going to end this year on a high note a timely word from our Heavenly Father who loves us so much. We've already heard from Colossians, Paul's letter to the Colossian church, which we already know it has been circulated among the churches of Asia Minor. And these words are so fitting for our time that we find ourselves in. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved. Now notice the word chosen. As member of God's family, we are chosen. Chosen. How does that make you feel? Think about when you were younger and they were picking teams to play a game and you were chosen to be on that team. Or maybe when you applied for a job there were hundreds and hundreds of applicants and you were chosen for that job or maybe you were chosen to play a part in the Christmas pageant at church. Remember those days? Yeah. Chosen is a powerful word. And it doesn't just mean included. It means pursued. How about holy? Right away. Who? Me? Holy? It means pure. It means set apart. And of course it's referring to what God has done in your life. See, right away we always kind of think Always about ourselves. Who, me? No, this is about what God has done. He's chosen. He has made you holy. He washed away your sins. And you stand now righteous before God because of Jesus Christ. And then, dearly loved. Wow. That's a relationship word. A word that God does not want you to ever forget. And of course, God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son to save the world, and that includes you. You are dearly loved. So right away, Paul, right away first Paul tells us who we are in Jesus Christ. Then he tells us how we shall live. Who we are in Jesus Christ 
will dictate how we should then live. And this is so important because if God says, you've got to be more kind and you've got to be more humble and you've got to be more gentle and compassionate, you might say, I, I've tried that and it, it didn't work because I'm not very kind. I, I don't think of others that often or I'm not very gentle, especially with my words. And I'm certainly not very patient with people. So God tells you first who you are, his chosen, holy, and dearly loved. And that is where the power and that is where the motivation comes from to do as he calls you to do, to live a life he calls you to live. God never asks you to do something without giving you the power to do it. And you can check every story in the Bible. God calls someone, usually very ordinary, to do something extraordinary. And they do it in his power because of who he has made them to be. Close yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. I don't see bitterness or anger in there. Compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Clothe yourself. That's easy for us to imagine because we live in this climate. We wouldn't dare step outside without clothes on. We dress warm, we dress fully, we cover ourselves, we drape ourselves, we layer up clothing in abundance. And the idea, bless St. Paul, is just as you get up each day and get yourself physically ready and dressed for whatever you might encounter, the climate or the people, you need to get up every day and get clothed, spiritually clothed, dressed for whatever climate you might find out there or whatever people you may encounter. Do we get dressed spiritually to meet the needs of others? We don't even think about getting dressed spiritually. Are we ready to interact with the world, with people, with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. God says, this is what people need from you. Each day, every day, all the time. Clothe yourself. And by the way, clothing is to protect ourselves. And these virtues... They protect us. 
And then he says, bear with each other. And he's talking to the church. He's talking to members of the church. And forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. God, look, God knows something about us. Even if we clothe ourselves with these incredible virtues of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, we'll still have trouble getting along. We're still going to have complaints or grievances or friction with others, differences. So he calls us to bear with each other, bear with each other, bear with each other. This means to put up with each other, to tolerate each other, to hang in there bearing a load. Don't quit on each other, bearing with each other. That will allow our relationship to continue in spite of our differences and sometimes even our issues. Someone might say, well, what about the truth? What about theology? What about what the Bible says? Yeah, the Bible says you can read it and it's clear and if you read it correctly, one of the points you cannot miss is to be loving and having healthy relationships with others. Some people will read the Bible and they say, well, the reason we keep on fighting with everybody because we're biblical and we're supposed to stick to the truth and not associate with those who don't. You're not biblical unless you're relational. You've got to understand that. That's why Paul is encouraging us in these wonderful virtues which have everything to do with relationships. The Bible says that when we understand our relationship with God, it causes us to treat others the way that God treats us. And what's this Christmas message we've been celebrating? God, pure and holy as he is, almighty, came down to dwell with us, to be with us. If you're biblical, you will be relational. Now, someone might ask, does this mean that issues don't matter? Truth doesn't matter. Of course truth matters. But let me just say this. There are relationships and there are issues. But relationships are most important, and I'll tell you why. If somebody is wrong or disagrees with you, you won't be able to help them unless you love them enough to want to help them. The relationship, if you'll invest in the relationship, the relationship will be strong enough to deal with the issue. 
If the issue is more important than the relationship, then the relationship will blow up any time there's an issue. And you know about this already in your life. Think about it. How many of you notice this in parenting? If you don't have a good relationship with your teenage child, you can't influence them and work it out with them. The issue blows up the relationship. There's a lot of wisdom in that. Loving relationships, these virtues, are a mark of good theology. And loving relationships allow us to deal with our issues. And if people know that we love and care for them, think about this. They're more likely to talk to us and they're more likely to listen to us and allow us to help them. God knows this. God knows that you put two sinners, two selfish people in a room together, and what do you get? You get sin and offense. So God in his wisdom gave us the greatest gift possible to live out this life in this world. And that's the gift of forgiveness. Without forgiveness, sinners cannot live with each other. Christians cannot live with each other. We have been called to the same family. And there's going to have, we're going to have complaints. And we're going to have grievances against one another. Because we are sinners and not perfect. Notice he doesn't even use the word sin. It's not the word. It's grievances, complaints. When you have a relationship, there's, there'll be certain things that will annoy you. It's a complaint. A complaint can include a sin, but sometimes it's, it's just a difference of opinion. It's a quirk. It's an oddity. It's, there's something that doesn't work in this relationship. He says, when a complaint comes, when there's a conflict, a grievance, when there's an issue, how do you resolve it? You bear with each other. Sounds like patience to me. And how am I supposed to do that? How can I bear and live with all these different people and all their different opinions and quirks? Forgive whatever grievance you may have against one another. How can I forgive? Something is failing. Where do I start? Start by forgiving each other. Everybody thinks that comes at the end. Well, no. You start your relationship and your issues with others with forgiveness. 
And here's the reason why. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you must forgive. So here's what he's saying. It's brilliant. It's such good stuff. When someone has frustrated you, annoyed you, grieved you, offended you, and you have a complaint, the first thing you need to remember, as the Lord has forgiven you. That's the first thing. In other words, when you've been offended, when you have a complaint against a brother or sister in Christ, when you have a grievance, you need to think about all the things you've been forgiven of. Start there. Start there. Oh, wow. That puts things into perspective. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Now, let me say this. I'm not asking you to do something that comes naturally. <laughs> Forgiveness is not natural. This is something that is supernatural. And remember, God doesn't tell you ever to do anything without giving you the power to do it. Someone is driving you crazy with their opinions. Let me stop and think about all my wrongdoings, my quirks, my own failings, and my shortcomings. Most of the time it doesn't go like that. It's no, no, no. Let me tell you about your wrongdoings and your shortcomings and your failings. But before we talk about their wrongdoing, you got to think about your wrongdoing. So you pause and you say, okay, Lord, here's the sins I've committed against you. And Lord, you chose, what you chose to do was forgive me. Wow. And that's the mission of Jesus. He came to forgive us. He lives the life we've not lived. He dies the death we should have died. He pays the penalty that we should have paid for. So forgiveness is the canceling of a debt. It's the forgiving of a debt. God doesn't punish you. Jesus was punished. God isn't angry with you. His wrath was poured out on Jesus. God is not holding a grudge against you. He let it go at the cross of Jesus. Before you think about what they need to be forgiven of, think of all you've been forgiven of as the Lord has forgiven you. Puts things into perspective, doesn't it? And here's what I want you to know, more than anything, at the end of this year. You're forgiven. If you belong to Jesus, you're forgiven. I want that burden off of you. I want that torment of a guilty conscience, that haunting feeling off of you. I don't want your worst day to infect and affect every day. You're forgiven. You don't have to pay God back, and God's not going to beat you up. All of that was taken care of by the sacrifice of Jesus. 
Now ask yourself, knowing that truth of the cross, how does it make you feel to be forgiven? How does it make you feel? Do you like it? Then share that gift. Forgiveness is a gift to be received, but never a gift to be held on to too tightly. It's a gift to be given and shared. And what Paul is saying is, as forgiven people, we need to be forgiving people. I wonder where he got that from. From the Lord Jesus himself in the prayer he told his followers to always pray. And that's the way it works. So bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. We need this always in our life. There's so much in this Bible verse. And over all of these virtues, all of these virtues, and they're identified for us because sometimes we just say love. But when we're told to be patient and kind and humble and caring and compassionate. Over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Wow. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. At this time of the year, we sing lots about the King is born, the King Jesus. Well, let the Prince of Peace rule in your hearts. Rule means dominate. Peace of Christ should dominate our hearts, our feelings, and then dominate our relationships with others in the faith. Since as members of one body, you were called to peace. There's probably not a more direct passage in the Bible for us. <laughs> All of you were called to peace. All of you are peacemakers. So the obvious question is, okay, I get what Paul is saying. That forgiveness and love and peace should dominate our thinking and our actions. I get that. But how can I remember and practice all this good news. What's the answer? And then Paul points us, it's fascinating, as he talks about relationships with one another and some of the grievances that might come up in our relationships, he then takes us to and points us to worship. He talks about who we are and how we shall live out our lives in relationship with one another, and then how we can main this, maintain this godly attitude in action, and it's about worship. That next part is about worship. Be thankful. Whew. Thankful people are busy thanking God for all they have. They don't have time for fighting. Let the word of Christ dwell. We just heard that word, dwell, tabernacle, set up camp. 
be with. Let the word of Christ dwell. It's a relational word again. In you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom and as you sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. When we come together for worship, our hearts and our minds are all focused on what God has done for us. And that helps us, reminds us of how we should live out our lives with others. Whatever you do, in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Yes, he's talking about worship. And we come together and thank God. We gather around his word, and it teaches and admonishes us with all wisdom. When we are foolish, he is wise. We sing. We sing all kinds of songs to God. You see, when we're worshiping, we can't be fighting. And when we are worshiping, we will be all about forgiving and bearing with each other. When we stand at the foot of the cross and remember what Jesus did for us, how can we do anything less? I've never seen a painting. I've never seen a picture of the disciples at the foot of the cross fighting with each other, ever. Because the love of Jesus dominates and the peace that he gives us dominates and rules in our hearts and minds. So, with that then said, what a great way to end the year and think about the new year as we, and I would encourage you to read Colossians chapter 3, 12 to 17, and dwell on each word. Just think of it as a new garment that you're putting on and think of all those wonderful virtues. Would you please stand and sing with me the Christmas words to the beautiful hymn, Crown Him with Many Crowns. Let us rise and sing this beautiful song that we pray Jesus would dominate our hearts and our minds. Amen. <laughs>